entrepreneurs can have a tough time focusing and putting everything into one idea. What would you recommend to somebody that's like, hey, I've got all these business ideas, where do I start? Yeah, especially in prioritizing the tasks around that. Just to add on to what you said, I think that an entrepreneur trait is problem solving everything in your life, whether you're gonna make money at it or not. I often say the making the money side is a side to solving the problem. Alan has started and grown several multi-million dollar businesses. His mission is to help you do the same. Welcome to the Business Growth Pod, building the future one entrepreneur at a time. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Alan, I'm a family man, an attorney, and an entrepreneur. Each week, we provide resources and advice to help build your business. Are you ready? Then let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Business Growth Pod. I'm your host, Alan Draper. I'm excited for our guest today. Before we get to him, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on notifications when I drop new episodes, which happens weekly. Also, do me a favor. Drop me a review. That's the best way that you can say thank you for the content and the great guests that we have on a weekly basis. Today, I'd like to welcome to the show, Phil Portman. Phil is the founder and CEO of TextDrip. TextDrip is a business texting platform for insurance, mortgage, real estate, solar cells. He's actually created several startups from the ground up. He's a serial entrepreneur and enjoys helping other entrepreneurs follow their dreams, which is kind of right along my same vein. He has a podcast. We're going to get to that in a little bit, chat about that. But yeah, just kind of a man of many talents. Excited to have a conversation with him. Welcome to the show, Phil. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Let's start with the serial entrepreneur. I like that title because I consider myself one, but I feel like it gets tossed around a little bit. Tell me what that means to you. Tell me a little bit about like where you got your start, how you started your first business, and what made you interested in becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, so I was a terrible student and I was terrible in the corporate world for uh, a couple of reasons. I didn't like the status quo. I didn't like just following things because they existed. And that was my issues with the corporate world was you, you had to follow a chain of command, which I understand why it exists. But I think often they got really comfortable and they didn't want to challenge things. And my mindset is always, no, there's a better, faster, better way of doing this. Let's get from point A to point B. That didn't do too well in the corporate world, but it turns out in the entrepreneur world and the startup world, that's a great mindset to have. And they also paired with the mindset of, you know what, we'll figure it out. So if I don't have a solution right now, I'll figure it out. So early on, I was flipping houses. I had some rental properties. I started a restaurant delivery company. We franchised it, operated it in six states, and I ended up selling that to delivery.com. Took the techs out of my business, and we've been building SaaS products and that sort of thing ever since. So serial entrepreneur, the reason I use that word is I I think the word entrepreneur is kind of thrown around a lot lately. Mm -hmm. Even anybody that's self-employed or you could be involved with selling essential oils online, which nothing wrong with that, but everybody calls himself an entrepreneur. So I specified the serial entrepreneur just to understand that I'm risking my own money involved in a variety of different business ventures that are often high risk business ventures in a variety of different categories. Hmm. And very often they don't work out and you spend 
fifty or a hundred thousand dollars on something that doesn't work out, it it could be a tough pill to swallow. But at the same point in time, you'll occasionally strike one that works out really, really well. Texture mm-hmm. being one of them, coinciding with the time in the industry right now where it's the biggest change in the business texting industry, we ended up having really great timing on that product and it really, really took off. That's awesome. Yeah, kind of talking a little bit about this concept of being a serial entrepreneur. Like it's kind of a buzzword. And for me, it's lost a little of its potency when I say it to others or people say it about me. But kind of internally, when I'm considering it, it is one of the best ways to describe not just what I do, but who I am. I think it's for me, I have a really hard time not coming up with 10 business ideas every single day of my life. Like I trip into because it's the way that I view the world. I'm a problem solver and I like to think of ways to make life better for everybody. And I usually start that from a self-centered perspective where I'm like, well, how do I make my life better? Because if I make my life better, it's likely that others will pay me to help them do the same. And I'm a sucker for a good pitch, Phil. Like I get pitched. And that's a lot of the impetus behind my podcast. What I'm doing on social media is I like when people pitch me for a bunch of reasons. I can get in and kind of help them work through some of the logistics If I'm interested in their business, I can invest in it or whatever, but I'm a big sports fan and I have quite a few hobbies, but I don't get excited about very many things. Like I get excited about a new business, just somebody telling me their idea. And I rarely tell somebody that's a crappy idea. It's usually like you were saying before, it's usually something like, Hey, what do we got to do to figure it out? Maybe I'll, you know, go down this path or try something else, but I mean, this concept of being an entrepreneur, I think it's a personality type. And I've run into a lot of people, rub shoulders with a lot of people that share that perspective where it's like, hey, I have all these business ideas. What should I do? So on one hand, it's really good because you're really creative. You're thinking of how to solve problems. On the other hand, I've noticed that entrepreneurs can have a tough time focusing and putting everything into one idea. What would you recommend to somebody that's like, hey, I've got all these business ideas. Where do I start? Yeah, especially in prioritizing the tasks around that. Just to add on to what you said, I think that an entrepreneur trait is problem solving everything in your life, whether you're going to make money at it or not. I often say the making the money side is a side to solving the problem. A recent example, I broke my leg. I was in the hospital. They did surgery on it. The surgery was great. Everything around the hospital was a train wreck. I mean, it was a a terrible experience. I could have just left it alone, but wrote this eight-page letter to the chain and sent (laughs) it out because, yeah, because nobody else is going to do that, right? Like nobody else is going to outline their entire description, every bad thing that happened in that hospital and spend money and time putting up that effort. But I feel it is, you know, it's, it's my responsibility to do that. That mindset, I think, bodes very well in the entrepreneur world. And I also think embracing difficulty, embracing challenges has to be something that you enjoy from an entrepreneur mindset. Because if you go into anything with, hey, eventually I'm going to enjoy this, right? Like 10, 15 years down the road, that's a terrible way to live. But if you love what you do along the way, you embrace the excitement, you embrace the challenges and the excitement around what you're doing, I think that's a great way to handle it. 
For me personally, how I handle multiple tasks is, is I break them down. How does it fit with what I currently have available to me? And then I'll put timeframes on them. So I have a notepad that I put all of my ideas down on, and I'm constantly putting them down onto paper. The reason I have to put them down on paper is I have to get them out of my head. If I don't get them out of my head, I will endlessly be sitting there thinking about them over and over again. It'll keep me up mm. at night. I just can't stop thinking about them. So I have to get them down on paper. And then I'll sit there and I'll start analyzing, is this something that's feasible, something I could work on now? And I start prioritizing them into my schedule. Something that I was not very great at early on was organization. And I saw that as a weakness of my own. And I worked on it completely. And so I have five-year plans, I have a one-year plan, I have a 90-day plan, and then I prioritize the things that are working towards my goals. So oftentimes, when I'm looking at what my five-year plan is, and I have different ideas, different things that I'm working on, I then weigh it against what that five-year plan is, right? Is it going to align with where I'm going? And I say, if you at least have a good bearing when you're out to see, the waves can go up and down. You can sometimes lose sight of the horizon. But if you're heading in the right direction over time, you'll get there. And the hmm. same holds true with a lot of the plans that you're doing. you got to start with where do you want to end up? And then you weigh those different things that come across your path and say, are they going to end up getting me towards where I want to go? And that's kind of how I've gotten rid of some of those things. I'd say some of the most important components to my success in life has been saying no to some of those ideas that don't align with my direction. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really good point. And when something happens to me, you kind of talk about this five-year plan. If I'm in the right mental state, something negative happens to me, I give myself you know, a couple of seconds to take some deep breaths. And then I ask myself, is this going to matter to me and what I'm doing in five years? And if the answer is yes, then I allow myself to dwell on it. If the answer is no, I try almost immediately to forget about it, move on, control what I can control. And you know what's That's funny? That's tough to do, though. That's it's tough very, to do. It's very tough to do. It's very tough to be honest about it, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day... There are very, very few things that happen to us that will affect our lives in five years. Very few things. You mentioned being an entrepreneur for the passion and enjoying what you do. And I was listening to an audiobook this morning, actually, on my drive to a doctor's office. And he was telling the story of Jerry Seinfeld and how I think it was prior to or maybe right in the beginning of the show, Seinfeld, he stopped doing stand up comedy full-time or to a significant degree. And then the show ended, one of the most popular and highest money-making sitcoms of all time, if not the highest, might be the highest. He, you know, net worth in the hundreds of millions. And prior to him giving up stand-up comedy, he went on a tour that, that was called, I'm telling you for the last time, something like that. So he made it known that he was done with stand-up comedy. Fast forward a decade or whatever it was to the mid-2000s, He's like, I want to get back into stand-up comedy. And people are like, look at your net worth. Like, You never have to work again. Your kids' kids are never going to have to work, all these things. And they just don't get it. And I think that's what being an entrepreneur is like. Like, I don't think about retirement. Retirement is, is not a concept that resonates with me because I don't yeah. do this for money. Yeah. I don't do what I do for money. I don't have to do it. I don't have to work. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that's kind of the essence of being an entrepreneur. You finding something that you love, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a lot of entrepreneurs, Phil, they think that the industry that they're in has to be something that they're passionate about, right? Mm. My first company was pest control. Yeah. I actually came to really love that industry, but it wasn't something I was passionate about before. There's a need for. Exactly. Like, so if someone comes to you, Phil, and they're like, hey, I really want to follow my passion. And, you know, let's say I want to start a clothing store because I'm really into style and fashion, whatever. Yeah. Do you recommend that they follow their passion and tie that to entrepreneurship? Or is it more of a, you know, you can do it that way, but you don't necessarily have to. Do you think there's some advantage to doing that? Or do you think entrepreneurs have a tendency to be able to find passion in whatever industry they find themselves in? Great question. So I think that a lot of it is not necessarily the industry. Like, for instance, pest control, as you you talked about, not necessarily an industry that you would have thought about, but your ability to manage people, to manage business, to handle the logistics around it. Like, if those are skill sets that you enjoy getting into, because some people would find those horrible. Like, I want nothing to do with you know, say the logistics side of sending people out to these jobs and that sort of thing. I want nothing to do with that, right? Well, that's probably not a good industry that, that you're in. If you enjoy the fashion industry as a whole and you know what you're getting into around that or opening the store or something like that, yes, potentially that could be a great area for you to get into if there's a need for it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'd argue some of that with what's going on in real, you know, with that industry, with online shopping and all that stuff in this day and age would mm-hmm. be something that I would look at. But yeah, a lot of what I do when I'm creating a new product or service is first testing if there's a need for it. You know, is anyone even interested in this? And mm. I've developed some online products that shocked me both ways. I thought, yeah, oh my God, this thing's going to be a hit. People are going to love this thing. We put it out there and we couldn't give it away, right? Nobody was interested in it for whatever reason. Then I've had other side projects on that I put zero marketing effort into, said, hey, this thing's going to probably be a bomb. And the thing took off and ended up you know, being successful. And I think a lot of what, at least the way that I operate with being a serial entrepreneur is I do a lot of different things. I'll try out a lot of different areas and then I follow the one that really is successful and aligns with things that I'm interested in doing. And one of the benefits to being an entrepreneur is that we get to pursue passions like this, like jumping on podcasts and talking to really cool people around the world and being able to explore different opportunities, even through some of the networks that we do with these. Yeah, 100%. I mean, talking about podcasts, you have a podcast called Success Is, and I don't really want to steal your thunder too much. But listeners, go check that out. Very cool podcast. Awesome guests. I actually like that concept of people trying to define what success is for them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts. You know, you're the one that's always asking the question. That's so, yeah. so for you, what is it? And for others, how do they find out what success is for them? Yeah, great question. So when I was younger, I moved up the corporate ladder pretty quickly and I was traveling around the United States, living out of a hotel, had a you know company car, company credit card, making you know mid six figure incomes. I was comfortable, right? For a guy in his early twenties, I thought I was doing well. And I remember seeing the guys at the airports and that when I was younger, the businessman, right? And I was like, that's what I want to do. Like that's <laughs> got to be the pinnacle of success, 
right, is right there. And then I got to that role and I had kids at the time, little ones, and I was FaceTiming with the kids and I was missing all these little moments. They first started talking and crawling and all that. And the route in the business world was just more traveling, more time away from my family. And I said, this isn't the life that I want. I want to be present. I want to be available. And the most important part is I wanted to control my future and determine what I wanted to do. And that might be partly because I can be a little bit ADD and something I'm like right now may change completely in a year, right? But I wanted to enjoy my life right now, not wait 15, 20 years later on and say, okay, I finally paid my dues. I'm going to enjoy retirement. No, I want to enjoy life now. And for me, that was, you know, when I wrote out my goals, I listed them out, figured out what I wanted to do in life. It was worth even sacrificing a big house, a fancy car, prestige, all of that. If I knew I was enjoying my life in the present. Well, that coincided with entrepreneurship and I found some things that I really love doing. And now I don't do anything that I don't passionately love. Hmm. And it was risky as hell. There was times where I was looking at myself going, what are you doing right now? You've literally risked all of your money. You know, you lost a good, comfortable job. You've risked it all to do this. Is it worth it? And I'll tell you a hundredfold, it's absolutely worth it. The fact that I can go out to lunch right now with my wife, I could spend time with the kids. We could travel, you know, halfway across the world if we wanted to right now has made all the difference in the world. And I love this stage of my life and and I love every day. So success for me specifically is having control over my life and enjoying it in the present. I love that. Yeah. I mean, if you don't control your time, you're not really free in my opinion. And now I get that there's phases. Not everybody can go from zero to a hundred with that. And your time is, it's kind of weird because of different pressures. Right. And I had an experience just this past week, closed on a vacation property in Florida, fell in love with the Gulf of Florida. I, I live in Phoenix full time. Well, most of the time, summer in Idaho and uh, closed on a house. So I was in Naples and my two sons, 10 and eight had baseball games on Friday night. I was supposed to come back Thursday night. I didn't get everything done on the house and I could have come back. But I called my wife and man, it was a, it was a really tough conversation. She knew what it was about because I'd done this before. And the next day I was reading a book and in the book, it talked about, you know, there's this dialogue and this guy, this businessman, this entrepreneur is like, they asked him why he chose his family in one specific instance over work. And he said, my work's always going to be there. My kids aren't always going to be young. And when I get to the end of my life, I'm not going to wish that I worked more. And it really hit me. And I'm not old, obviously. I'm not crazy young anymore. But I'm learning, Phil. I'm learning that just because I can control my time doesn't mean I always choose correctly. And this instance, this experience that I had last week, it really hit home for me because it's like, man, what am I doing? And so I had a conversation with my wife and I'm like, for me, it's not really about money. I think there is some value where I feel like, hey, I can build a company or I can get investors or I can create a project that produces 
this monetary value and it's a way of saying, okay, I've achieved something, but that's not really my hustle. And so if somebody asked me, what is your definition of success? I would say the freedom is, a. I think that's a really big aspect with this caveat of how are you using your freedom, right? How are you using it? But for me, I think ultimately it's this idea that we've been given this incredible opportunity, regardless of our circumstances, we have a life where we can make mistakes and we can progress. We can learn from them. I posted my social media this morning on Instagram, this quote that I heard that said something about the biggest differentiator between the good and the great is this idea that great people, the most successful people understand that their failures and their mistakes are merely feedback for their improvement to do better. So I think success, I feel the most success in my life, regardless of the area, whether it's my spiritual life, physical life, financial life, professional life, social life, my family life, my physical life, I feel success when I'm getting better. And the way that I get better, Phil, is by making mistakes, taking that as feedback, okay, that's the wrong path, and choosing something else. Yeah. You know, I think something that we don't often look at is we are, if you're successful in entrepreneurship, you tend to be a workhorse, right? You dig into that and that's how how it is. And if you're an entrepreneur and you love what you do, they say, you know, find something you love to do, you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true, but there's a double-edged sword with that because you could burn yourself out and you love it the whole time, right? Like I could realistically do what I do seven days a week all day long and never take a break and never have other things that I'm doing because I love it. I mean, I love working with the people. I love creating new software and technology and all that. So I think a big part of that is balance. And so something that helped me out was when I was listing out my goals, I broke them down into categories. And I don't have a mommy right now, but I have nine different categories. And you had touched on some of them, right? Like the spiritual goals, artistic goals. Yes, career, financial goals are subjects to that. But I look into those things and I analyze them just as much as I would my entrepreneur goals and say, do I have a plan in place for that? So reflecting on your example with your family, right? Am I spending enough time with my family right now? And what are my goals there? So I'm not going to completely take away from my career goals. It's about having the balance there, but I'm setting goals for those just like I would in in my business life as well in each one of those categories. And then reevaluating them on a quarterly basis to see if I'm heading in the right direction or not. Yeah. And I do something very similar and it helps me stay grounded and it helps me put first things first, which is, I think that's one of the biggest challenges as a father as an entrepreneur, you know, I have quite a few employees throughout the different businesses. And I look at my obligation to them is greater than their obligation to me. And when we start businesses and we recruit people and we hire people, we have this obligation to make sure they succeed right along with us. And the better we are at doing that, the better we are at helping other people succeed the more we're going to succeed, right? Zig Ziglar said something like, you know, the best way to get what you want is to help others get what they want. And that Mm -hmm. is especially true of the people around us, the people that are closest to us, our employees, but it's true of our families also. And, you know, I think I'm going to look back, Phil, on my life and I've made plenty of mistakes. I actually purposefully try to get rejected at least once a day 
in some form because then I feel like I'm actually trying. I like when people tell me no, because that way I find limits and boundaries. Like if I'm making an offer on a house, it kind of sucks when they accept my first offer. I'm not a huge fan of that because I'm like, at first I'm, you know, oh, awesome. I got it. And then I'm like, oh, what could I have gotten it for? Yeah. Probably paid right? a little too much there, right? Yeah. Exactly. So I think, but at the end of my life, I'm going to look back and I think of every other mistake that I have made, I think I'm going to be most concerned with the mistakes I made with my time. And I think that's really common for entrepreneurs and especially startup entrepreneurs. When I started my first business, so I used to practice law. I practiced for one of the largest law firms in the world. And I thought I was busy then. And I remember it was so naive of me, but I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to start my business because I'm going to have more time to do what I want. And right. And I immediately had less time. But the idea is not, and I want the listeners to recognize this. When you start a business, you're immediately going to have less time. If you don't have less time, you're not putting enough into your business. It's just true. Absolutely. But the idea is that that will taper off, that you leverage the assets of the business, the finances, you get employees to help you and things like that. That's the dream, right? Is to be able to pay other people to help you leverage your time. So... Tell me a little bit as we're wrapping up here, Phil, tell me a little bit about everything that you've got going on right now. And I know that TechStrip is a big part of that. Tell me about TechStrip and tell me about how people can reach out to you if they want to learn more about how that can help their businesses. Yeah, absolutely. So TechStrip, big changes in the business texting industry. The carriers just rolled out something called 10DLC that outlines how businesses are supposed to text through, through the carrier networks. But TechStrip is built around texting. And you think about most platforms out there and the old way of doing a drip campaign was an email drip campaign. And nothing wrong with email, but I probably have, if I looked at my phone right now, probably 10,000 unread emails and I don't have a single unread text message. Mm. Texting is just, it's a better way of communicating. It has the highest response rate of any other method in the industry. So we focused our entire platform around that component First, starting with the best deliverability in the industry, making it incredibly easy to use. If you look at our texting app, it works the way a texting app should and building it around making it easy for businesses to communicate with their customers, their leads. So that's really what TechStrip is about. We have a few other platforms as well, focusing around artificial intelligence, communication, and automation. You can find me, my podcast, the Successes podcast, and any of the other products and services that we're working on at philportman.com. That's P-H-I-L-P-O-R-T-M-A-N.com. You can also sign up to be part of my newsletter to find out what we have going on as well. You can also find me on all the different social media platforms as well. Love it. Well, this has been fantastic. Great conversation, Phil. We'll have to have you back sometime, get into some other aspects of your business and your, your journey as an entrepreneur. But thanks for joining us today and wish you nothing but success in the future, my man. Hey, thanks so much for having me today, Alan. Have a great day. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a rating. And for daily inspiration and business tips, follow Alan on Instagram. Until next time, remember, we build the future one entrepreneur at a time. Thank you.